Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us. And just like that, the final hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Tuesday edition from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And, Chad, we are on the... Uh, the week's eve, I should say. I, I guess we could phrase it as that. SEC Media Days here in Nashville next week. The Big Ten will take center stage. Big 12 will as well this week. Uh, a lot of college football talk headed our way with the pomp and circumstance and the hype behind many programs where the media will, will vote on uh, preseason predictions that will ultimately go by the wayside because many of the conferences, I mean, we know who's going to be really, really good, who matters and who doesn't. And in the Big Ten and the SEC, you're really you're competing for second or third place in many cases. Yeah, it's talking season, but the good news about talking season means that it's very close to playing season. And plenty of expectations. And we're entering talking season. Yeah, now. expectations for coaches, quarterbacks, and more. Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick.com, covers all things college football for us. Trey, uh, appreciate the time, and I mean, here we are. This is is the unofficial kickoff to college football discussion for the upcoming season instead of referring to what just happened last year. Yeah, guys, I mean, we finally made it. It, it feels like it was only yesterday that I was in Los Angeles covering the, the blowout for Alkick uh, yeah. when Georgia won a national title. It feels like it was 12 hours ago that I was in Destin covering spring meeting. So it's like, okay, all right, here we go. Um, but it's a, uh, look, it's a big week. We got the big 12, uh, kicking off tomorrow. Uh, and then we will have the sec next week. We're going to have the big 10, the following week, sprinkling the pac 12. It's, it's all here guys. And it's, it's, you know, we're sitting here, we're, we're under a month from when fall camp will start for, for, every major college football team, every college football team in the country. So let's roll. And let's start with the biggest story out there. Pat Fitzgerald fired at Northwestern, Trey. This is just days after the university announced a two-week suspension for him. Then they come back and say, well, that's not enough. You're out. 26 years all told for Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. How surprising was this decision uh, to you? And do you think there's a lot of other coaches across the country now making sure and double-checking that there's not anything like this going on within their program. You know, Chad, I, I what, here's where I got a, a little bit uh, confused when it came to the president's decision. When the Daily Northwestern, and shout-out to student newspapers around the country because they deserve it, uh, credit to Northwestern student newspaper. When they released their report, I was like, okay, this is a lot more in detail than what Northwestern was letting on to believe on Friday. When fr Friday, Northwestern comes out, releases kind of a summary, says a few things, says they can't prove Fitzgerald did it. They slap him with a two-week suspension. What happened, the players, and the, the, the alleged victims in this case, went to the student newspaper Friday night, laid out their entire story on Saturday, 
The story drops with all the details concerning the alleged hazing that went on, the allegations against Pat Fitzgerald, the coaches, whatnot. And then once I, I knew this thing was about to get messier, as I was scrolling through my phone at 11.45 on a Saturday night, and the president of Northwestern releases a statement saying he's reevaluating the penalty against Fitzgerald. That's when I kind of figured th this thing is is probably going to be a wrap. Um, so, look, we're, we're in a situation right now where you've got a, a program. Um, they had to make what they thought was the right call, and they thought the right call was getting rid of Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's now going to fight back with attorneys. There's a lot of money at stake. There's also a reputation at stake. And I think, to be honest with you, and speaking with Pat Fitzgerald a couple of times, talking with folks over the last couple of days, I think, you know, the reputation part sticks out more than any kind of monetary uh, situation yeah. that he's in. So just a, just a wild 72 hours, guys. And, and we're not done with this thing yet either. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald, though, also highly respected in coaching circles. What's next for him, Trey? Is this a, a year off and he's right back to being a head coach? Is he going to go assistant coach coordinator route, NFL in the picture for him? What do you think is the best possible scenario for Pat Fitzgerald now moving forward? You know, yeah, Pat Fitzgerald's turned out a lot of opportunities uh, in the past, whether that be the NFL, whether that be college. Um, I, I think that, you know, we're sitting right now here in July, July 11th. You know, most NFL camps start up, you know, sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then you've got, you know, college football. It would be very hastily for him just to jump right into a program. Now, I will say this. It would not surprise me one bit if he is going to different campuses around college football, sitting in with teams, um, you know, getting to know programs and maybe, maybe he becomes an analyst. Maybe he becomes a defensive coordinator. You, you just, you don't know because the problem is it's July 11th. There's not any spots out there. There's not DC availabilities. There's not coaching availabilities right now. I, I, I suspect that, that he will take his time in trying to figure out his next move. He's going to let this legal process play out with Northwestern over the next six to seven months, see where that gets him. And then I suspect that we're going to see Pat Fitzgerald uh, back on the sideline somewhere, either in an assistant role or a head coaching role. You know, it, let's not forget, he's been the head coach since 2006. That's a long time. So somebody will have to make a move for him to be a head coach in the future. But a coordinator spot, I could see that being a route that he goes. Trey Wallace with us from outkick.com, uh, covering all things college football. What What is the tone that Kirby Smart can bring to SEC Media Days that changes maybe the path or trajectory that we're seeing in the culture off the field with the Bulldogs, despite on the field winning national titles? Yeah, guys, I mean, the, the the report dropped while you guys were on the air. Uh, the University of Georgia sent the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, demand of retraction letter. Uh, I've read the whole thing now. It was nine pages long. That was fun to read. Um, but looking at it, uh, Georgia wants them to back off on, on some of their allegations against the school. Kirby Smart, along with AD Josh Brooks, sat down with just a few reporters today in Athens, uh, for a roundtable Q&A. Uh, uh, and, and 
you know, I, I, I think that t- there's two things here. Georgia knew exactly when to put this letter out. Okay. We are a week away from Kirby smart speaking in Nashville to over a thousand media members, radio road, digital meeting, whatever, everywhere. And he's going to get asked the question a lot. Hell guys, 11 hours ago, I wrote a story talking about Georgia going to sec media days and, and how they're going to handle, you know, some of the culture questions. Well, they, they tried to handle it four hours later, you know, by putting out this letter and sending it to the AJC uh, at the same time they did this, they were meeting with reporters. So it was kind of, it was kind of smart by Georgia. Like you release the letter, you say, Hey, these allegations, this story that you're talking about in terms of, of sexual assault or the way we treat uh, our athletes after they have problems with females. Okay. Here's your letter. Also, at the same time, we're going to give you guys a story and you guys can write about it. It's a smart move by AD Josh Brooks and, and Kirby Smart. But, guys, it still doesn't take away the, the the problems that have gone on at Georgia for the last six to seven months off the field in a car. It just hasn't. We, we you know, I was I was somewhere last week and I saw the story like one player was going to. Um, to court, and he was going to admit his guilt for a reckless driving cause. At the same time, another Georgia player is getting pulled over, you know, eight miles down the road for going thirty miles over the speed limit. You know, I'm not I'm not talking about the the sexual you know assaults if they call them that or whatnot, but but there is a I I just there is a problem right now in Kirby Smart's program. They have to get to the bottom of it. And it's not a big one. It's not the Titanic. It's anything like that. But they got to just get back on this path. And I think some of it has to do with, you know, Georgia's a back-to-back national championship winner. So who can knock them off the ledge first? So there's there a lot of stuff that's going to happen in Nashville next week. Will Lane Kiffin dare to take a swipe at Georgia football and their off-field issues uh, when he takes the podium? Because he's the most likely candidate – to have a couple of jokes uh, at the ready when he's speaking to the media about Fast and the Furious or whatever's going on at Georgia. And I would say the other most likely candidate is probably Shane Beamer at South Carolina who may make a comment about it as well. What do you think, Trey? See, I was – okay, so you said Shane, and in my head when you asked me that, I was thinking of Eli Drinkwitz. That's Eli Drinkwitz. Eli yeah. Drinkwitz had some nice little uh, little taglines down at spring meetings in Destin. I give him credit for that. So I do look. They're going to try to take shots, and I'm not just talking about Lane and Eli or whatnot. There are going to be a lot of people trying to take Georgia down off this pedestal that they're sitting on right now. The fact is, the only way they're going to be able to do that is beat them on the field, keep them out of the playoffs, and keep them from winning the third straight national championship. But in terms of recruiting, in terms of NIL, in terms of getting players, yeah, I expect, you know, Lane, look, Lane's going to say something next week that's going to draw attention, and that's what he does. And you know what? We'll be talking about the Ole Miss football program for a week, or we'll be talking about Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin knows exactly what he's doing. He's very smart in how he approaches the the media, us, um, and, and you have to get him at those at those interesting moments to get stuff out. But I do think it'll be him. I do think you'll see uh, some back and forth uh, between some coaches next week. Nothing big or anything like that, but they're going to try to, you know, sell this thing. And um, this is the last year we're going to have divisions, um, you know, the, the last year before we enter the playoffs. 
And by the way, this is the last SEC media days before Texas and Oklahoma will join the party. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in Nashville next week because there are so many different narratives out there, guys, with teams, whether it be South Carolina, Florida, LSU, Arkansas with KJ Jefferson, Texas A&M, who, by the way, if they're not fighting for a play, I'm calling it right now. If they're not fighting for a playoff spot come November 1st, that first weekend, the Aggies will uh, will be looking for a way to get Jimbo Fisher out of his contract. So, so many storylines heading into next week, and uh, there's a couple coaches that need to be a little buttoned up. What is Nick Saban's main talking point? Every time there's an event like this, he's got an agenda about what he wants to get into, and when he speaks – He's seen as the voice of coaching in all of college football, and he lays out the issues moving forward. If there's one hot-button issue that you think he's going to dive deep into at this SEC Media Days, Trey, what is it? I think it's the quarterback situation. I think it's he's going to try to send a message to everybody out there that, hey, look, I've done this before. Uh, I've, I've been in a situation where we might not know who the quarterback is going into a season. I know it feels like a while for Alabama fans that you've been in this spot. Um, but look, we, we've seen this in the past. Um, when it comes to a transfer quarterback, you know, that that makes things even more spicier in Tuscaloosa on how this is going to play out. But he's going to say the right things because he knows one thing. And, and guys, I forget what year it was. Uh, it had to be six, seven years ago. Alabama had two or three quarterbacks hit the transfer portal or or leave the program uh, during fall camp or in week one or week two of the season. Uh, uh, Cromwell was one of them. Bateman was another one. Uh, and I'm forgetting the third one. Nick Saban has got to kind of level this thing out when it comes to the quarterback situation because he's got Ty Simpson, you got Jalen Milrow, um, and, I, and I think those two that are returning, I think that's big, especially when you add a transfer. So what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of people. They're going to ask him questions. Hey, you know, last time you've been in this situation, it was with Jacob Coker. You know, how do you handle this now? He's going to say the right things to really kind of, I think, send a message back to Tuscaloosa that, hey, this is an open competition going into fall camp. And And also, by the way, too, you know, we all remember that exchange I do between David Pollock and, and Nick Saban, David Pollock, who I love, and Nick Saban uh, last year at the National Championship game where Nick Saban had to sit there and he had to take it as David Pollock was talking about the University of Georgia taking over college football. I think this is this is like Nick Saban's time, guys, to say, you know what? No. Georgia's had their run the last two years. It's time for us to get back on track. Uh, we'll see how that message is interpreted next week, but uh, he's going to be the same old Nick Saban. He's probably going to have a joke or two, uh, and then he's going to get serious for the rest of his four hours there, and uh, and we'll see what else plays out. Trey, we only have a minute left here, but what was your favorite yeah. detail of the Alabama baseball betting scandal with uh, head coach, former head coach Brad Bohannon and the insider scoop? Uh, with uh, the guy Neff Jr. is his last name that made the bet at the pay window for a, uh, wanting to make it $100,000. My bad. I've been in a lot of gambling situations before in my life. I've played some bets before and every now and then. Uh, the guy walking up to the counter and telling the cashier, hey, look, I'm going to place this $100,000 bet, <laughs> but I got some inside information. I really need to place this bet. Please let me place this bet. 
This guy was, you don't tell the cashier at the window that you got inside information on a game that you're about to lay on, especially $100,000 in college baseball, which doesn't happen, by the way. This guy was a lunatic. Brad Bohannon, he should be shamed for even being near this dude. And by the way, like going out, the security cameras are so good at the sports book, they were able to zoom in on his phone and figure out that it was Brad Bohannon he was talking to. What a cut and dry case. I mean, Alabama on an encrypted app at that. Right. It was an encrypted app. Like Alabama's like, well, thank you. Okay. That's all we needed. So just, just dumbassery, I guess is the best way to put it. (laughs) Great. I like that. Uh, Trey, we'll catch up next week at SEC media days. Really looking forward to that uh, here in Nashville. And in the meantime, we'll be reading your work at Outkick. Thanks, Trey. Guys, look forward to seeing you next, Phil. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Man, check, I have Brad Bohannon here the on the Trey phone right Wallace now. Podcast. I need to place this bet immediately. Brad yeah. Bohannon, right here on this phone, man. Please let me. This is Alabama's head coach. Please let me place this bet. Yes, I want to place a hundred grand on a heavy favorite. You must LSU let me baseball. place this bet. Kurt Schilling joins us next. We'll talk all-star game. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. All-star game tonight following last night's home run derby. A lot to discuss there, plus uh, trade rumors for Otani and much more with the deadline for the trades coming up August 1st. Kurt Schilling joins us, and you can check out the Kurt Schilling baseball show at Outkick.com. Kurt, great to have you on, man, and uh, always enjoy these chats. Hey, appreciate having me, guys. It's a little different format this week. I'm on the road traveling. It's all, uh, all good. Running the country. So, no, we, we, we love whenever you join us, even if by phone. We appreciate this. Uh, All-Star game tonight. There is a reverence to the All-Star game in baseball that's different than the other major leagues across the country. In the NFL, they can barely find guys who want to play in a flag football game. Uh, why do we see so little uh, a, a number of players not participate in this, even if they're injured they normally go to the ballpark and represent right. the fact that they're in the all-star game. Well, I was thinking about this, actually. If you think about it, the, the major League baseball all-star game is the only true all-star game. Yeah. The, 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 because it, it's the only game that's played exactly the same way it's played the week before and the week after the season, you know, you can't in the NFL, they're literally playing flag football. The NBA, it's the 200 to 195 game because nobody plays defense. And then NHL it's like a 15 to 12 game because nobody plays defense as well. You can't not play defense in baseball. You can't not pitch. And you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah. It's the only all-star game where you see the all-stars and they're performing at the elite level that you pay to see them play at. And, and I think that, that makes the, the all-star game, you know, very, very unique amongst professional sports. I, 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 I thought a lot about this too. And I'm curious where you come down on this. There's also a new era of athlete that would maximize the three three days off rather than go to Seattle across yeah. country, right? Like, 
Even now, right. though, I think I'm a bit surprised at how little we see that compared to the other leagues. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, they're, they're, I never, I, I, I never understood it when I was younger, and in the sense that that uh, you know, I, I was I made six All Star teams, but I actually made seven because uh, I was a, a called to uh, invited to be in one in I think it was 2006 when I didn't make the team. I thought I was going to make it, didn't make it, and then they had an injury and they called me, and I was ambivalent like nah you know i'm good and, and it was it was one it was a very stark contrast from early in the career i was always honored to be elected always honored to go and play i got to start a couple um and it was it, I, it was amazing to me because i that environment i mean i i remember in cleveland in 1997 i was sitting around the table with john schmoltz greg maddox tony gwynn and barry bonds and we were talking about pitching and hitting I remember there being a moment at that table thinking to myself, is this like real? Is this actually happening? Like, am I here? And I always had that reverence for the all-star game. However, as I got older, when I didn't make it, I, 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 those three days were, were absolute, you know, a bliss because they were three days to mentally just kind of recharge. And I can't, and, and you know, I always wondered about that, but I also, started to look at guys, uh, everyday players, like that three days off, my goodness. Uh, I mean, yes, making the all-star team is an honor, but that three days off is, is, is an amazing recharge for some guys. Is that dinner where the Barry Bonds challenge came to play with the fastballs? Which challenge? I, I believe. You, oh no, you that told was A-Rod. Oh, it was that A-Rod, was A-Rod, not Barry that Bonds. Was A- yep. 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 No, that was A-Rod in Milwaukee. Uh, uh, that was pregame. I was, I was actually mic'd up for, uh, for a, a TV state for Fox. And, um, I, I, I had my uh, oldest son there at the time and, you know, he was, he was a baseball fan and, and this was uh gosh, 2001. So he was five and we were walking around, he was getting autographs and stuff. And, and Alex at the time was, was Alex, right? It was Alex and Barry and those guys. And yeah. I said, you know what? I'm just going to give this, just, what do I got to lose? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get embarrassed. If Alex Rodriguez hit the home run off me, then it's Alex Rodriguez hitting a home run off me. So, uh, I went up to him before BP and I said, Hey, listen, if, uh, if you come up tomorrow with nobody, I knew he was hitting third. I said, if you come up tomorrow with nobody on the first inning uh, and there's two outs, I'm going to throw you nothing but fastballs. And he kind of did a double take like, what? And I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to trick you. Nothing. It's just going to be fastballs. I want to see if I can get the best hitter in the world out with fastball knowing and him knowing my fastball is coming. And uh, it, it worked out. Well, I, I love that story yeah. so much. And I, I completely agree with you on it's the best all-star game because it's the one all-star game that actually resembles the sport being played. On uh, the other all-star games, it's seventy percent you're playing. It's just a different sport. Well, you can't. And well, you're right. You can't. Right, but you can't play baseball on the field competing against other players and and not play it a hundred percent because you have to catch the ball when it's hitting you. You know, you you, yeah. you can't just throw batting practice. You can't go up there and take. You know, every every facet of the game is still at an elite speed with maximum intensity, and that's that makes it. That's the only all-star game in sports that does that. And what I was going to say is also the the home run derby is not real baseball, right? It's not, but I still enjoy watching it. I love it. Because I'm watching these guys just mash, right? And their ability to do it over and over again, and it's easy to watch and see, oh, I see how that could could cause fatigue and how that wears you down over the course of when you get in the second, third round. But it's still remarkable to watch the power of these guys. What I don't think a lot of people appreciate is how hard that is in, in this sense, you know, batting practice is one thing. You got the batting cage players milling around, um, 
you know, you're getting ready, you're working on some things. The home run derby, there's no batting cage. There's nothing to hide you. You're mic'd up. There's cameras at every angle. And everybody on the planet is watching that one throw. And it's just such a stark contrast to what hitting in the game. Because in the game, you know, either there's a catcher and there's focus, there's players and there's games and scores and not. This is just to, to, to see how far you can hit a ball. I mean, as a pitcher, I was never a big fan of the home run derby just because it was painful to watch. But <laughs> but I remember the, the, the 1999 home run derby in Fenway. And that, was, to me, was the one that kind of blew that whole thing up with McGuire just doing things that no one had ever seen before. And then it's, I mean, I, I love things that make, to get the fans on their feet and get the fans energized. And, and, you know, uh, I was, I had, I had the kid from Seattle as my winner last night. My, my oldest son had Guerrero, but uh, you know, what he hit 41 in a round. Yeah. Julio I mean, Rodriguez hit 41 in the first round and then the fatigue settled. By, in. Oh, absolutely. It's exhausting. It is exhausting for these guys to do that. But, but also got to mention that is not a home run hitters ballpark by any stretch. And so, you know, and I know they, 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 they use the juice up balls for it now, um, which does make a difference, but you know what, that's, uh, that's something special. And, and I think we're at a period and a place in a time when there's so much extreme talent, young talent in baseball that, that, that was nothing but good for the game. Kurt Schilling joins us. He's the host of the Kurt Schilling baseball show at outkick.com. Kurt, uh, Otani, Trade deadline's coming up August 1st. What could the Angels realistically receive in exchange for him? And what assurances would that team have of signing him long-term versus just inheriting the contract that he's traded for? Well, I wouldn't imagine they'll, they'll get none. I mean, if he's, I mean, if you're the Angels, you have to make a decision. You're either going to re-sign him or you're going to trade him. There is no, and I know it sounds kind of obvious, but the fact of the matter is if you think that there's a chance you might not be able to resign him, and I don't think there is going to, I don't think they're going to be able to resign him because I think he does want to win. Uh, and I think that they may have to pay market for him. And, and, you know, teams that usually get into an early bid, uh, like the angels might are looking for a little bit of a discount. He's not giving anybody a discount. He's going to get a half a billion dollars plus probably from somebody going to be worth probably every penny uh, in the, in the scheme of baseball. Um, and so if I, if, if I'm the angels, then I'm, I'm looking to, for suitors. The problem is going to be that no one is going to literally give up the farm to get the guy because nobody, I don't think anybody, unless, unless the, and, and this happens all the time, unless a, a team can go behind the scenes and, and let the agent know, and the agent can let them know, Hey, listen, we're, you know, we're going to give him 625 million for 10 years if he comes here, you know, and they do they, that stuff happens all the time behind the scenes. If a team can trade for him, knowing they're going to sign him, then you give up the world for it. Yeah. I mean, if that happens, you know, I don't, I don't know that they, I can't imagine that he would give up that leverage now, given how close he is. Unless it's Cohen signing that check, Chad. Yeah. <laughs> then it's guaranteed. Well, and yeah, yeah. I mean, but, but I mean, he's our, I think he's learned his lesson and, and listen, I, I, I love what he did. Um, but, but he, in, in some ways, you can't buy a ring. You just can't. I don't care how much your payroll is and what you spend. You've got to put the right people in the right places. And the fact of the matter is they're just not performing. It's not the manager's fault. It's the player's fault. And they're just underperforming. New York's got to be a really sad place right now because two of the biggest stories of the first half, part of that big you know, top 10 stories, both of two of them have to be the Mets and the Yankees in the disappointing season so far. Well, especially 
stay in the AL East. When you look at the payrolls of Tampa and Baltimore mm. ahead of New York. No doubt. And, I mean, I, I'm watching the Braves-Rays series of the weekend. They're the third lowest payroll in baseball. And they're in first place yeah. in the AL East. But of the teams that seemingly came out of nowhere, I'm not putting Tampa in that category, but uh, the Marlins, the Reds, the Orioles, the Rangers. Kurt, which Pirates. team are you most – Pirates, yeah. Which team are you most looking forward to paying attention to and watching in the second half? I said it preseason. Uh, I said it pre-spring training. I said it, uh, and I've been saying it ever since uh, from the get-go. But what the Baltimore Orioles are doing – and, and going to do, I think, if, 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 if the Angelos family stays the hell out of the way and lets the baseball people do the baseball things, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be so happy for the city of Baltimore for the next five to ten years. They have, they have done it, and, and they've done it the Tampa Bay way in a sense. That you're, you're looking at player de- Baltimore used to be the essence of player development. It used to be the Oriole way when the Ripken family was big in the Oriole organization, and, and they built this thing, and, and you know, Mr. Angelos ruined that franchise for, for, for over a decade. Now they're back. They're fun. They're unbelievably talented. I think Adley Rushman is Joe Maurer with 35 to potential 40 home run power, a hall of fame bat. I mean, the kid was a rookie and got MVP votes. Didn't even play the whole year. I mean, that's how good he is. Um, and, and they've got more coming. The, 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 the young, I think it's Gonzalez, the young pitcher. I mean, they are, they're in a tough division, but what a phenomenal stable of talent. Love what the Pirates have done. The Reds, I mean, I think the Reds are for real. Uh, and, and that's a division where they can be for real because it, it, it's so up and down there. Um, but that's, that's shaping up. The, the, the National League Central, while it isn't right now, is shaping up to look like the American League East. Because you know the Cubs and Cardinals aren't going to be out of it for more than a year. They're going to find a way to spend money, get it, and and, and the ownership teams, the Ricketts and, and uh, uh, the Cardinals have always been player development teams. There could be five legitimate teams in the in the National League Central next year, which would be fun. Kurt Schilling with us. Kurt, final minute and a half or so, and maybe this deserves further discussion in a couple of weeks when you join us. But we've spent a lot of time on the NFL betting policy, where they're suspending guys for betting on the league for a year, and then they <laughs> apply for reinstatement. When this right. when this comes to light, Major League Baseball, not if, but when. How will Rob Manfred handle this, and what example would this set for Pete Rose? I don't know, but I do know that the one sign on every locker room at every level of baseball in the history of the game, the one sign on the front of every locker room door from rookie ball to the big leagues is no gambling. And, and I, I know that, that to a lot of people doesn't mean anything, but that's the one sacred cow that baseball has tried to hold on to beyond everything else is, is the no gambling policy. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Listen, I know, I've known Pete for, for a long, long time. And, and as a baseball player, uh, uh, absolute lock, shoe in. As a human being, not even close. But, but, but I don't know how you, you throw DraftKings all over the, 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 the uh, advertising banners and online and everywhere and the sports books and all the other things yeah. and still hold true to the Pete, you're not allowed to because you gamble. But the fact of the matter is, Pete Rose bet on baseball as a player and as a manager, and he bet for and against his team in both ways. Public, a lot of the public doesn't know that, but that's what happened. And, and you know, that to me as a player is way beyond, uh, uh, you know, forgiveness in, in many, many ways. I want to dive. He fixed the game. 
I want to dive deeper in, into this uh, in the next visit. Plus, uh, the trade deadline will be upon us. Kurt, always great, man. We love talking baseball with you. Appreciate the time, even while you're out of uh, out of town on the road. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Have a great one, guys. Yep, you too. Thanks, Kurt. Kurt Schilling there. The Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. You can check out new episodes at OutKick.com. And coming up uh, tomorrow, the debut of the brand new show at OutKick.com with Riley Gaines, who has long opposed biological men competing in women's sports. She has witnessed this and competed against this uh, firsthand. Gaines for Girls is the premiere episode tomorrow for Riley Gaines' new show at OutKick. Looking forward to checking this out. OutKick.com for more. And I'm, I'm eager to, to see the platform that she will give for other females uh, who are fed up with this and now have a platform to voice that opinion. I don't think Megan Rapinoe is going to be joining the first episode, no. even though Riley challenged her to join the show. Uh, I don't think she's going to be appearing. No. And, you know, there will be others who will. And eventually, I think someone will take her up on the, not challenge, but the offer to go on that platform and discuss things with her versus, you know, using the example of, so. using the example of, Hey, uh, have you lost a championship to a biological male? No. Well, I have, I didn't receive the trophy. I tied. I gave the trophy to the man, not the woman from the NCAA. Crazy. It's nuts. Leah Thomas uh, would be an yeah. excellent guest on that. That podcast. Riley will be point. speaking common sense starting tomorrow. Outkick.com. Or coming on Hot Mike. Always a great chat with Kurt Schilling, isn't it? Yeah. We, we love it. Uh, I, I, thoroughly enjoy it and I thoroughly enjoy I feel like every time we talk to him I get another little tidbit about the game yeah. that I've never thought about before or yeah. about an event like the all-star game and I, I was thinking as we were talking to him of all the sports hunting that you would need a break from it's this or I hockey. mean this would be so valuable yeah we're talking 162 games and you get three days off dead smack in the middle of the season or you're going to fly in across the country to Seattle, participate in everything before, participate in a game, get back in time just to get ready for your next series. Yeah, take a, a commercial flight to your next city. Through all of July, through August, through September, into October. It's crazy that more guys don't just seek that break above all else, but that shows the reverence for the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which I hope never dies. Me I hope too. people respect it that way forever. Me too. And uh, they finally got the, the home run derby right again. And it seems as though the mechanics of the all-star game have improved as well. They got rid of that whole, you know, this time it matters, you know, home field advantage for the World Series and different things. They're just having a game. And I, I think the, the coolest thing that could be, and I know they were on a rotation, think about the, the Field of Dreams field if you did that for the all-star game. Oh, that'd be cool. You know? With, the, cool. with the uniforms and everything. Instead of the American nationally, you actually use your own uniform. Yeah. Old school. I would love that. Uh, well, they do that. They still do that for the, the actual game. They just use those. Uh, for warm-ups and stuff? Well, the, the uh, yeah, the, they'll, they'll use stuff for the home run derby a lot of times. Yeah. American national. And they warm up in them. Then they get in the actual uniforms, which is another tradition that That's I it. love about that game as opposed to NHL or NBA all-star games. 
Um, what is uh, not cool? But guess what? They do. St- they, the... st- they still sell those jerseys, like you oh, always point out. Of course, they the do. ones they wear just for warmups. Yeah. Uh, what What is annoying are the prices, not in the stadium, but outside. We We saw this firsthand at the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. Uh, both of the stories that Davey's bringing here, uh, parking and the the homeless population, we witnessed firsthand for the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and they're seeing that in Seattle now. I think they prefer unhoused Americans now, home, uh, Hutton. So yeah, either way, it's yeah. sad. Uh, but no, the the worst thing I saw today was the prices outside of T-Mobile uh, Park. I I was amazed. So uh, Bob Condetta of the Seattle Times put this out there. They were charging before the home run derby $120 just to park up in Seattle. I mean, you see a photo right there. I'm upset if like I even have to spend that much amount on a date, let alone just to park. Like it makes me think back to that progressive commercial. There's like, ah, they must make a killing here on parking. <laughs> that's a, that's I, I a lot of Chick-fil-A I, for Davey. I could bucks. not do it. Well, you I, know I what? Would, if I had a ticket to the event. I, I, on principle, I may turn around and go home and not use it instead of spending 120 more dollars yeah. on parking. That is, there are things that I'm okay. Everyone's okay with uh, spending money on. Everyone's got their things that you'll go a little big on certain on certain items. I cannot bring myself to spend a ton of money on parking. Remember, ever. in L. A. for the Super Bowl, there the the morning of the game. Didn't they have like a or a couple of people that jumped into a lot and charged people to park, but they didn't have the authority? It was just a, a a money grab, and they left, and then everyone came back. They had tickets because they What's, didn't actually pull into the lot that was properly charged. It was they were taking cash only. They parked people for like a hundred dollars or whatever, yeah, they, and then they took off with all the money. What's the most you guys have ever spent on parking? I think forty dollars uh, what I max out at. If I see a sign for 40, I might do it for a certain event. But I, I'm not going over that. I would say around 50 probably. It's, yeah. It's around there. It's, I think we all have a similar story. Because you, if, you're, if you're driving into a college football town and you have nowhere to park, you're just at some point I just grab a lot yeah, and grab a spot. You'll pay an extra 20 bucks just to get out just of the car. To, just to walk towards the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. But 50, 50 was the rate, but it was split between four people, so it wasn't that bad. But it's like, I mean, if you're just a family, obviously, it's not, it's like, hey, kids, I need yeah. you to pony up for this, but... No doubt. It's a, going to any event, going to an NFL regular season game on a Sunday is going to cost you for parking, uh, gas. Uh, it's an all-day deal now. It's not just a three-hour game if you're there in person. Let's not talk about leaving the game until we're actually at the game. Um, Matt got it. All right. Uh, oh, next that was, story. That was from a commercial too, right? Same. Commercial. I remember the commercial. Sa- same yeah. commercial. But anyways, I thought so th- you were trying to tie in the next story. No. Uh, this this next story does involve the MLB All Star Game and the homeless population in Seattle and the activists that fight on their behalf are not happy that in order to take all this room for parking, they had to kick out a lot of the encampments that were there in Seattle. And, I mean, if you're talking about one of the most friendly cities in the entire country to the homeless population, this is it. And they're mad for two days that they're being moved elsewhere. So they vowed to F up the place and bleep Seattle just because this is happening. Uh, I mean, it's a sad situation. I don't, I don't, I mean, I would be complaining too based on the fact that they have nowhere to put them, and the only reason they're moving them is to make money or to clean up the city for cameras that are going to be viewing the Seattle skyline. 
Uh, they did this in Los Angeles as well. And San Francisco. Armando Seguera wrote a big story on it. Remember, yeah. he walked close to our hotel where all the it's homeless awful. encampment was and talked to some homeless people uh, about it. It's, it's, a, it's a bad situation for sure. Um, I mean, it's I, all under, I understand too. why a city would want to do that and why it's important for a big event like that. And, I mean, I can understand if you're fighting for the rights of you know homeless people why you would have issues with that as well. Well, empty parking lots around the stadium that's only utilized a certain amount of time would make sense to just, you know, if you don't have there's a reason why they're allowed to camp there. But now they're going to take it out on the people that are just showing up to attend this game. That's where the... Well, I wonder what they mean by that. Like, what what are they going to do? They're going to go, like, destroy their cars? They're going to set things on fire? It, it makes it seem like hassle, but, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't put it past them to have property damage be a part of this. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, uh, not the that's, way to, uh, that's not the way to respond either. I don't lump every homeless person in on this, though. These are the drug addicts that are you know, crying foul just to complain about something. I, I feel awful for anybody I see on the side of the street. Um, that And a lot in Armando's story that, Chad, you referenced um, from that Los Angeles Super Bowl, they, he talked to several people that just had to admit that they didn't financially have it currently and they were working to do something about it and came across as sober and coherent. Um, that's heartbreaking. Um, you know, and, and the fact that the city of L.A. at the time, moving them out, getting them on the outskirts so that, you know, the glory of Los Angeles could be seen again. It's no different than what Seattle's doing. It's no different than what's going to happen right here in Nashville, Tennessee, when they build the dome. The, you know, there's a lot of uh, homeless people here that we have not seen yeah. as far as a, uh, the, the population is concerned. It has tripled. I mean, that would be my guess compared to the last five years here in town it's it's a lot not of them good. live right around us too you know here downtown uh, where we're located so um there's a lot of intermingling with the homeless population some interactions are good some are bad some are indifferent yeah but um yeah i i tend to look upon them uh with a lot of empathy uh whenever i i see a homeless person yeah. but it's it's a it's a it's a weird situation because ultimately what's best for these cities is to provide economic impact for big events, and when you bring people in for a big event that otherwise would not be in your city, the money. The last thing you want to do is them have a bad um, uh, experience or feel like the place is poor or overrun with homeless people or drug problems or anything else. So what cities will do is come in and they'll try to clean things up as best they can, and that means mu- moving humans yeah. away from where they're normally staying. And I, I get it. I mean, I. It's one of those that, sorry, I don't have a real hot take on it. I just get both sides of it. Well, I understand what the city's trying to do. I understand that if you're, if I'm visiting Seattle for the All-Star game, I don't want to step over a ton of homeless people walking to the park. That makes me sad yeah. to see that also, but it's not really what you want. And I understand people that fight for the rights of the homeless saying, you can't just pick up and move these people who are living under the bridges that people are walking past to get to the ballpark to watch the game. I'm also thinking like it, uh, they're, they're vowing to F up the all-star game. I'm thinking uh, the fans, uh, we've witnessed this uh, we, in New York and other, and other concourses. Fans are going to piss on in the middle of a concourse, uh, go, go to a sign Buffalo a bathroom Bills wall, uh, put a phone number along with some picture that they're going to draw. 
uh, very detailed. I mean, it's not just the homeless population that can F up the yeah, game. It, it's the it's, fans that will be in, in attendance. Paying customers have no problems uh, effing things up, too. I've told the story it. a lot, but I, I've just, been They to, just have a Sharpie when they come in. I've been to multiple Buffalo Bills games, and it, it, both times uh, people were so drunk walking into the stadium for those games. They go so hard at their tailgates, and then they get there early on, and they're drinking so much beer, and they cannot wait that I have seen guys urinating in the trash can of the bathroom to not wait on, on urinals. Mark, Mark Schiller, if that's a better floor. I mean, they'll go that. in the corner of the floor if someone's taking too long in front of them. I mean, they are animals in Western <laughs> New York consistently. So probably no different than the homeless population in Seattle. No doubt. Uh, Davey, thank you as always. We've, uh, Chad, we've got a, a video here. A, a father. Oh, I've got to tie in with this. This is. This is baffling. Blow, uh, there's a coach who blows out both of his knees arguing with an umpire. Um, and here's the guy in the stands. So this is not. This is a, a parent arguing with the umpire, right? No, the parent comes down the steps. Yes, and not just one knee, but both just give out. <laughs> I don't think he trips. I just think both knees just buckle, and he just face plants. And, I mean, the strawberries on the knee are going to last for a while. Uh, and the surgeries re recovering from this are not going to be, uh, not going to be pleasant either. But I, I, the, uh, that, that seemed like child's play compared to uh, what you may get in a, a Little League game. So, Hutton, I, uh, I'm ashamed to admit that over the weekend, coaching 8U Travel Softball, I received my second warning from an umpire. Um, you do to, have a file to, now? To be quiet. No. <laughs> uh, now, it's funny that I kind of bookend my warnings. It was on the same field uh, at the park that we play at normally. My first tournament got a warning on the first day. And the last tournament, on the one day we had the tournament, I get another and warning. same biological gender. What happened? Yeah, it was an older lady, uh, <laughs> both older women that, that – didn't tee me up like in basketball, but gave me a verbal warning. First time it was for not removing the bat quick enough. And then I had words with the lady saying it was my daughter batting. I was watching her go to second and there's no one coming home. Please respect me as an adult to know that I will get the bat out of the way before some girl breaks her neck on it. And that led to an exchange that led to me getting a warning. This time call was missed at first and she could say whatever she wants. It was a horrible call at first. Our first baseman gets it, steps on the bag before the runner gets there, gets step and a half before. She calls the runner safe. Our first baseman, who is barely eight years old, responds in a way where she kind of looks upset and doesn't throw home while a girl is rounding third and going home. After the play, I look at our first baseman. I'm in the third base dugout. Across the way, I shout, it was a bad call. So what? We got to keep playing. And when I say it was a bad call – to my first baseman, I hear, hey, you don't ever say that again. <laughs> That's all That's a warning. And I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I just go, I will talk to you in between the innings because I don't want to have this out right now. I'll talk to you after the inning. So I go and try to explain to her what I was doing. And she's like, no, 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 no. We don't need to talk. We don't need to talk. And I'm like, ma'am, I'm trying to teach a lesson that she's standing right there and she thinks it was a bad call. <laughs> So I'm telling her just because I'll it's a bad her call she's does not mean, yeah, I didn't, I, I made clear to not say that it wasn't a bad call. Right. I'm saying I'm not yelling at you. 
I'm saying she's there. First off, she's behind home plate making the call because there's only one umpire, right? Whatever. She's right there, I'm saying. She steps on the bag before the girl gets there, and then her reaction was to stop playing because she's upset. I'm trying to teach her a lesson. I'm not getting on to you. I said, trust me, if I have an issue with you, I will bring it to you. (laughs) And then she said, okay, we're good. I was like, I'm not someone to yell at the umps in these games. So I know about you with Rose. Got my warning. I've seen your file. Didn't Coach. get didn't get thrown out either. I, I I hope I have a file. I'd love to read the file aloud on air if I have one at this park at some point. Chad mentioned he was paying attention to exit velocity for the home run derby. I'm surprised he wasn't paying attention to the coach pitch that takes place at the home run derby because that's that's his expertise. Oh, that's Hutton. why he's the travel league coach. I took some notes. Oh, I journal. Of course you did. I have some journal entries and critiques. I'm sure. Oh, I have some thoughts on some of the pitching that took place. Back Not at the it best. tomorrow for Hot Mike with Honey Withrow. Mm-hmm.